This is episode 21. She's a singer-songwriter that hails from Charleston, but has been residing in Nashville for the past six years. When she's not playing honky-tonks, she's working on her video series, No Right Way, highlighting songwriters. Her most recent single, Hung Up By Now, featuring Garrett Biggs, was recently added to Spotify's editorial playlist, Fresh Finds Country. She's a sister in song to me, and this is Paige McKenzie. That was just Huh? (laughs) I always worry when I do those intros, I'm like, oh my God, I hope I get it right. because like I it sounds so silly but like the, all my interests are the same from like they pull from my bio mm-hmm. that's what it's for but like I feel like you really like have been paying attention and like pull like things that have happened recently so I love that thank you oh my god thank you yeah I think that's uh um I do go down these like really weird rabbit holes which we'll definitely get into because I've been on your tiktoks lately which I'm like oh, okay I got some good good go. shit that we're gonna dive into um, but I always like to start off, like we want to start from the very beginnings, um, for anyone that is new to Paige McKenzie. So let's talk about your earliest memory of music. Goodness. My earliest memory of music that would, I would have to say, so for four years of my life, so my dad's from Detroit, Michigan, and we lived there for like maybe four years max. Um, but I remember I used to go to a bar called the sugar bush with my mom and her friends. And obviously I wasn't allowed in there. because I was like a literal child. Um, I couldn't even read at the time, but we used to go to sugar bush. I would get mozzarella sticks and I would go up and sing. The only reason they let me in is so that I could sing Jules. Um, you know, the song that goes brush my teeth to put the cat back. Um, you were meant for me. Yes. So I would sing that. I didn't read the karaoke machine at the time. So my mm-hmm. mom there with flashcards that had like a toothbrush or like when she's like the towels on the floor she so she'd do little flashcards for me because I couldn't read any of the karaoke machine and that's probably like my earliest like memory and um I would do karaoke with my brother and good old sugar bush in Detroit Michigan that was my my (laughs) yeah well and I mean that was a great album too like that was I mean you were meant for me was I think one of those songs where I mean, just speaking for me personally, just like so nostalgic and like one of my first, I think, heartbreak songs when I like first had my breakup and I was like, it was just one of those songs you like play over and over again. And it's as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, I know that song. (laughs) Good old Jewel, you know, she likes to talk about the heartstrings. She's, she's probably one of my first like female artists that I ever got like attached to, I, I guess you would say, but yeah, Jewel, love her. I mean, it's that whole era too. It's like Fiona, um, like Tori Amos, the Indigo Girls, like all of, it's like the whole little affair. Um, just that whole era, I think, is all the songwriters and singers that came out of that. Because um, I think we're around the similar age. I think I have a few, few years on you, but um, yeah. that, that rank, that just that era of, of female singer songwriters I don't know yeah. why this a period that will be so important to me, um, just from a musical standpoint. Um, but just also kind of it's just nostalgia and I think yeah. it's a little yeah. unfortunate that we don't have that anymore. Yeah. Edgier too at that like that's when the edginess of women was like really like there and prominent for you know, like it wasn't it wasn't just like these frou-frou songs, like yeah, they were heartbreak songs, but like there was just like 
this little bit of edge in the way they dress and the way they presented themselves was just like that little bit of grit that women needed to, that was like, okay, we can do this in any mm-hmm. kind of style. I was like the era of that. I love that. So do you think that that's going to come back around? I want that to come back around. <laughs> <laughs> we all desperately need it too. I, I, you know, I struggle like as a country artist, I, I struggle with, well, one, we all know that women in country music are poorly represented from the beginning, but, um, there's like this thing for me that like, I feel like I'm forced to write these love songs and I'm forced to follow in the footsteps of Taylor Swift, which I would love that. I would love that mm-hmm. career that I had, but that's not for everyone. And I feel like so many women are just like, feel like they need to write these heartbreak love songs and then to be sweet about it and they can't say anything you know too much too little whatever it be but I would love for that edginess to come back where we can be like you know you know Carrie Underwood obviously had those like we're gonna wreck your car and Miranda mm-hmm. and they all feel like we're trapped in this like we have to write a certain way where I want to write and be honest about like if I'm mad about, I'm mad at someone I'm gonna say it or if mm-hmm. I if I I feel like there needs to, that needs to come back where people are kind of tiptoeing around and, and we're losing that sense of, we can write about whatever we want to as women. So definitely would love that for that air to come and tackle here. So, and it's so funny that you, I feel like we're already totally in sync. Cause I'm like, damn, you've already kind of jumped ahead on my, I have my phone up. So I have like my agenda that I'm going by. Like we've already skipped down to, um, like question number four. So we're just going to completely throw this agenda out the window and we're going to go ahead and because you touched on a really good point is that a lot of the songs that you've released to date, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, are very personal. Like you're a very personal songwriter. Like you are pulling from a lot of things that you've experienced. And Mm -hmm. so is there one song in particular that when you're performing it or singing it um, or just, you know, in the moment with that song, is it transporting you back to that moment so that you're kind of feeling it all over again? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the one song that's like there, I I like to be personal, like you said, but like the one song that like, sometimes I can't even get through it would be house just because what Mm. was a song about, you know, my parents' divorce. And that's already a hard topic to talk about anyways, turned into something that I personally started experiencing and had experienced, you know, with my last breakup. So like now a song that was just supposed to be about one experience has turned into two. And um, House was a really hard, it's still a really, I don't even know if, I can't even remember the last time I sang it out. And I just released that song, you know, when you mm-hmm. release a song, it all the time and playing it out live. And uh, now I don't even play it because it's just, it's a topic that, was meant for one situation that now has turned into like I can't, I can't even touch it but it's it's something that I, I think a lot of people relate to and uh mm-hmm. you know that uh, being in a relationship and just going through the motion and just being there um not really having any kind of love you're just doing it to do it and uh yeah that one quickly turned into one where I was like okay I'm gonna <laughs> Bad boy, but and that was also a really hard song for me to put out in the first place because I had to talk to my mom and dad about it. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm sure you've seen the album cover, but like 
that's my family. And, uh, it was very, uh, representative of like the situation where like, I felt secluded in my own world because of the divorce between them. And that's what the album cover went with. And then I had to play the song for them and they're obviously still divorced. So it's like, I had to talk to my dad about it. And then I had to talk about my mom. And then that was, yeah, that was a tough one. That still Mm -hmm. is kind of, (laughs) how did they react to it? Like, how did that conversation go? If you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, I, like I said, I'm pretty personal, but, uh, my mom was really cool about it. My mom, you know, was just, you know, that she's very much it's art. I hope that if you play the song, somebody else can relate to it and they can, you know, if they need to hear it, they need to hear it. Um, my dad was a little bit hesitant. Um, my dad's side of the family is very big, uh, mm-hmm. very, we like to know everybody's business on that side of the family. I love them to death, but, uh, when I, I think there was the fear of anyone on that side of the family being like, Hey, that's a little personal. Why'd she say that? Why'd she write this? And uh, he was very understanding about it, but I think there's always that, like, you always fear what everyone else around you is going to say, especially if it's family. So he was a little hesitant at first. And when he heard the song, he was like, you know, I hope that other people can hear it too. And I hope they, they know that they're not alone. And, uh, but it was definitely really scary. I was like, hey, I have a song I want to play you. Take a breath. Maybe open up a beer because uh, it's about to get real. (laughs) So is that the one song? Because, I mean, you have a couple other songs that are pretty personal. Like, do you think this is the one that not just your mom and dad, but maybe like the adjacent family also felt the level of uh, like personal experience that you had with it? Oh, yeah. I think because everybody in my family, like experienced secondhand, the divorce, like that's just hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. It wasn't just my parents getting separated. It was me and my brother at the time. Um, So they, you know, it's just the secondhand of everything. They went through everything with us, you know, having to split Christmases and split holidays, anything like that. Um, They went through it just as much as we went through it. I mean, obviously it targeted us a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. you know, and and like I said, I have a huge family, like, and we're all super close. So it was just like, it was very hard too at the time because, you know, my family's in Michigan. We were down in South Carolina at this point. Like, so it was just a very hard transition for everyone. Where were the kids going to go? Are they going to go with the dad? Are they going to go with the mom? And we, you know, at that time we were kind of rebellious because we were still young and we're growing mm-hmm. up and learning. Uh, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure everybody's secondhand uh, experience through that was, was a bit much, but. And did you Sorry, what was that? So many people go through it though, too. So I'm like, it's, it's like every, the divorce rate's so high nowadays. So, well, and you know, also to be personal, yeah, like my parents got divorced when I was in the second grade. And so for me, listening to that song, to be perfectly transparent, I listened to it once. I cannot get through it again. And it's just <laughs> one of those songs where I'm like, I, I can't do this because it is so personal, but it is. It's personal to you, but it's so reminiscent of what you go through as a kid witnessing your parents' divorce and like the repercussions that it can have while at the end of the day, it's probably the best thing for the family as a whole. You know, like you don't want your parents to be in a position that they're unhappy in, but it still takes a toll on you, even as an adult, like growing up, having that realistic view of relationships and love. like it's not really Ken and Barbie, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to always be like that. And it may never be like that. 
Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest message I wanted to get out to people is like, yeah, love's hard. Love is really hard. Like it's not, it's not, you don't just fall in love, get married and have babies and live the rest of your life. Like it will continue to be hard. Yes, you're in love, but you will all, there will be differences. There will be arguments. There will, there will be so many hiccups and speed bumps in that. And I think that's really hard. Like, do you remember like that age where you like, were so innocent and then like you one year you like turned a year older and then everything like came to fruition like you mm-hmm. learned it's like it just bombarded you all at once it wasn't like a gradual like hey this is what growing up it was like wow the world's kind of crappy sometimes and mm-hmm. got- oh. well and it's also that weird realization when you're like wait so my parents are people does that sound weird because it's like wait yeah. so my mom is more than a mom like she's also a human being that makes mistakes or like, you know, looking at my dad is like, and you know, I I lost my father this past year. And so looking back at that being like, you know, God, like they're real, like they're real people, you know, like they're just not parents. Like there's more to them than that. And then when you're able to put them yourself in that position of, I totally understand because when you're a kid, you're like, well, why is this happening? And then to your point, like whenever that pivotal moment happens, you're like, shit, like this all kind of makes sense that parents are people too. <laughs> and go through literally everything that we've gone through. Like I'm, yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. life, man. I'm right. Just... And so from that song, Um, and then just like moving through like the experiences that you've been having, especially, you know, like you've been in Nashville for six years now, Mm -hmm. how has that affected your songwriting? If it has at all. Um, and then we'll get into the new single because that is also an amazing song that's now out right now, but, you know, coming from Charleston to Nashville and just your songwriting in general, has it evolved? And if so, like how has, how has Nashville as a whole helped with that? Oh yeah. I think I, I, I've said this before in some previous interviews, but like, I think the greatest decision I ever made was moving to Nashville and not just because like Charleston, Charleston, like, you know, has so many insanely talented musicians, like so many um, connections and things and places you can play. But like the decision to come to Nashville was amazing because I left Charleston and to be honest, I was like, I'm, I'm the shit. I'm going to go to Nashville. I'm going to conquer it. Like I have the best songs. I'm talented. Like I just was on this high horse where I was like, yeah, I'm going to absolutely kill it. And I got here and quickly realized, no, like Mm -hmm. so much to learn. You have so much growing to do. Your craft is not, is not as good as you think it is. If anything, like you're at the low end of this totem pole of talent. Like it was so humbling to come here and be with the best of the best because I needed that. I needed that, like, calm down. You mm-hmm. got that good. Um, and that at first was super hard. I was like, oh, crap, I should never have left Austin. Like, you know, I had really great gigs there. I was, I was the country artist there. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, and that wasn't, I was never going to get better, which I needed to come here until somebody knocked me off my pedestal when I got, you know, if I would have stayed in Charleston, like, obviously there's so many really good people, but I loved the, all over the years, just like learning from the best of the best and like, just absolutely killing it as far as like learning how to 
like silly things like booking shows and how to reach out to publishing companies and labels and things like that. Like it, I would have never been able to do that if I didn't have somebody be like, you need to be better and grow and learn Um, my song. And I think going through all the experiences, like, yes, I had a lot of experiences growing up before I left, but um, a songwriter is who a songwriter is their stories and I needed more and I needed more grit and growing. So yeah, I love being around the best of the best because it keeps me humble and it keeps me wanting to be better and to grow. So Nashville has been, has been that because it's insane, the talent there. So. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this does bring up um, while I was doing my research, I was on your TikTok, which is amazing, very entertaining. Um, but I could not help to notice that one of your TikToks um, was about, and one of your most viewed videos on TikTok, um, was about a record label asking you how many followers that you had on TikTok. (laughs) And I was like, we have to kind of get into this a little bit because that is, it's such an insane question to me. Yeah. I mean, you watch TikTok and if you look at all the the charts and, and, and all the iTunes and Spotify, every single song on there is something that blew up on TikTok mm-hmm. which, and is amazing because it's given these people incredible opportunities, but also are we just going to have a ton of one hit wonders for the rest of our life? Is that how it's going to be? Um, you know, I was talking to uh, someone who worked at management or label, I can't remember, but they were like, yeah, this is great. Like we're signing all these people who are huge on social media mm-hmm. and then we on stage and they don't know what to do. They have no idea in a crowd. They don't know how to interact with fans or anything. They're so used to sitting in their bedroom and singing to the camera, which is fine. But it for some, I'm almost 30 years old, you know, and I've been doing this for 15 years. It's frustrating because I, I'm not going to put my time and effort into TikTok. I want to write songs and I, I want to write music that's good. And I want to go on the road and play these shows that are going to enter, entertain people. Um, and then you have these young kids, which is fine. I don't want to trash them because they have great songs. They do, but they don't know how to, how to enter. I don't know. I don't, they don't know how to do it. Like they don't mm-hmm. know the whatever, but it is so frustrating. It's, it, I mean, any management, any kind of like PR person I talk to, um, they're literally like, so how's your TikTok? And I'm just like, Ugh. fine, which feels silly too. When I make TikToks, mm-hmm. I'm just, this doesn't feel authentic for, for me. And I know when people are watching them, they're just like, this is awkward. This is cringy. Like, why is she doing this? But I have to, like, it sucks, mm-hmm. but I, have to, you know? Well, and that's one of the things is, is, is like, you brought such a good point is, you know, and I was listening to an interview a while ago and like Leslie Fram, she's one of the VPs at CMT made that exact same point. She was like, I'm so apprehensive to signing people that have a large following on social because there are so many skills to your point that sometimes, sometimes cannot be taught. Like you can be an entertainer or you can somewhat be taught, but like if your mic goes out or if there's some sort of technical issue, like you have to be able to pivot, throw in some humor. You have to be graceful about it. And and some people just don't know how to do that. Yeah. I worked for, uh, so like, two uh, maybe not even two one year um when I was in Nashville I worked for a small management company and I was still doing music obviously at the time and I was talking to the head of the management company and I was like 
what do you think about Broadway? Cause you know, like when you come to Nashville, everyone, you have the people who are like, Ooh, I'm never playing on Broadway. Like, Ooh, gross. And then you have the people who do it for a living. And mm-hmm. he looked at me like, I would rather sign an artist that does the grind on Broadway because they know how to handle a drunk crowd. They know how to entertain a crowd and they know what kind of hard work is put into loading in, singing for four hours, loading out, and dealing with all the crap that comes with Broadway. And I was like, and I've lived through that. Like I truly like the experience of playing live is so important. And you don't get that with these TikTokers. Like, yes, they have amazing songs, but they don't know what to do when they get out there. And the fame is so quick, you know, and we all Mm -hmm. know how that Yeah. And like the, the question that you're bringing up too, is like the level of longevity. Like if you have one great song, that's amazing and doesn't take away from your talent, but like, how does that shape the future? You know, if it's trendy, that's great, but that certainly isn't a career. So, so, oh, go ahead. (laughs) It's what? It breaks my heart for them because I don't like, they're getting pulled into something that they don't even know what they're getting pulled into, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Well, and then, yeah, like they're getting their hopes up thinking that this is reality when unfortunately nothing on social media is a reflection of reality. God, no, it is not. (laughs) It is not. Mm -mm. So you have a new single that just came out. Um, Oh my gosh. Two weeks now, three weeks fresh. I think it would be a fresh three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. She is a gorgeous baby like out there (laughs) right now. And it is hung up by now featuring Garrett Biggs. And I want to know, because this is your first duet collaboration, because all the other songs you've done have just been you. And so how did you know that Garrett was the one that you wanted to do the song with? Or did he approach you? Like, how did that whole process go to go down where you knew that this is your first duet and it would be perfect with him? Yeah. So I met Garrett two or three years ago, but I will go to my grave saying that man works harder than anyone in Nashville. And I've always like admired him for that. He does. I mean, he just works his butt off and he's Mm -hmm. one nicest person ever. I love the, his voice is so unique. Like when he sings, you know, it's Garrett, which is one thing that's super important to me. I think there's a lot of cookie cutter male artists out there. Sorry, strike me down. If that's like not something to say, but I mean, there's a lot of male country artists that are the same exact thing. He just has this like unique tone to him that I love. Um, His fiance is so sweet and they're always so welcoming. And I've always admired him. We got together to write the song with him and Andrew Capra, which Andrew, that was my first write with him. I had just met him Mm -hmm. and uh, we had written an entire song and we all were just kind of like, oh, this isn't that good. And we restarted. (laughs) And who came up with that hook right at the end after like, it was a good four hour, right? Like it was really long, four or five hours. And uh, I knew I wanted to do it when I went in there and that kind of just turned into that. And I was like, Garrett, you wrote it with me. I admire you. I love you. We're writing this and we're singing it together. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. And I mean, if you haven't listened to any of other Garrett, if, if you haven't listened to any of Garrett's other music, you got to, because he's just amazing. Just good soul, good soul. And that's what you need in Nashville. You need that like team and love that guy. And we'll make sure definitely on the blog post, like we'll do all of his information. So everybody yeah. that's listening, reading, they can follow and support Garrett as well. 
Um, but, and also too, not to dive too deep in, but this song, like if you're reading the lyrics, you're listening to it, like it's a pretty personal song. And so like, is this something that you've referenced from you personally, or is this like maybe in that four or five hour write that you were talking about? Like, was it just this collaboration of you all just like swapping stories? Cause I mean, we've all been there. Like when you go through a breakup and you're just really needing to talk to that person, you know, was it kind of a process like that? It's funny because my 23 year old self, yes, that was, yeah, I was calling my ex drunk mm-hmm. and I mean like an aggressive amount of times because I was young and didn't know better. Um, now, no, it's not like a personal experience that's happened recently, but I think it was just like that collective, like what I really, the biggest things I wanted to pull from this song were like mm-hmm. one, the woman's calling the man, um, mm-hmm you know, the scenario in most songs like that. And I also love when Garrett's singing, he says he's crying. And which is another like kind of break that like men can cry, men can be sad. Um, so this song, what might sound like, yes, we all call our ex uh, drunk sometimes uh, was more for like the, the gender differences and, and switching over and, and making it more uh, relatable because I, I don't think people talk about that a lot, men crying mm-hmm. and women can call drunk too. And, and, and in country music, it's always the man that. Oh yeah. The, oh, um, no, like specific personal, um, experience recently, but I think it was just like one of those where we knew we've all done it before. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think you bring up a good point too, is that the song does a really good job of there's a, there's a bit of sadness on both ends. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, when you go through a breakup, like it's sometimes, you know, people will just assume that it's so like, just split down the middle. It's done. It's over. It was so-and-so's decision or so-and-so's decision. But in the song, there's just sadness on both ends where it's, it's nice to have a breakup song where you don't really know why it didn't work out, but it just didn't work out, but there's still love for the other one and there's still sadness but you know that it can't work out for whatever reason that it is and I feel like there aren't enough breakup songs like that where there's both sides are feeling the pain mm-hmm. yeah I mean because that's the truth like even if you're you know you broke up and one's in it more than the other there's still sadness on both ends and mm-hmm. you always want something to work out that you put so much effort into so yeah I, I, I love this song and I never uh like you said I've never done a duet but uh it was really fun to do that it was fun to merge two different fan bases too like fan bases like but you know like bring you guys have fan bases we can say it (laughs) two together was super cool and uh yeah like I said Garrett's amazing so I've had a lot of fun with this one and and we're this year we're just pumping it out so we're on to the next one in like a month so excited oh yeah so wait we're on to the next one so are you guys collaborating again or like what's the next project you're working on I didn't mean to say we like I (laughs) myself me and my team is what I meant which is just me because you know (laughs) an army of one an army of one um no just me we have some uh, we got it again I have some I've been in the studio and uh I that's that's a plan because touring is still a little bit weird like um, I know COVID was two years ago, but it's still happening. So touring's mm-hmm. still a little bit fun for me. I'm not sure I'm ready to dive back in, uh, 
not only because of that, but just because like touring is a lot for somebody who is signed to a label. Like I'm dealing with my own equipment, travel, band, set. Like I'm doing it all by myself. So that was a lot because in 2019, I did, I did like 180 dates by myself. Uh, that was exhausting. So yeah. this plan is just to keep writing and I want to just pump out music. I have no rhyme or reason to how or what I'm going to put out. I'm just writing. And if I like the song, I'm going to record it and put it out. Hope for the best. And so that is so refreshing to hear because um, I know but from previous conversations I've had, like a lot of people, especially creatives, you wait until it's just right or perfect and you kind mm-hmm. of just sit on it and you keep tweaking and revising over and over again, where I love the attitude and the energy that you have. Cause it's like, we're just going to put it out. If it's, if I love it, we're putting it out and we're not waiting for it to be quote unquote perfect because as we all know, nothing's ever perfect. It never is. And like every song that I put months of planning into, and if it doesn't do what I wanted it to do and mm-hmm. I've, you know, Emily Curtis, you've obviously talked to her before. We've had this conversation multiple times. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I'm so tired of being disappointed. I just don't want to set these goals that, which great. If they, if they get there, that's amazing. But I'm so tired of being disappointed after every release, if it doesn't hit every single box that I have, you know, and Mm -hmm. like with hung up by now, I just put it out. And with that, it went on an an editorial list and that was amazing. The Mm -hmm. other song months planning didn't do anything they didn't no no traction whatsoever except from what you know people the well, from the people had, who had already been listening so I'm just tired of trying I just if it, if people like it they're going to push it and if they don't move on to the next one and unfortunately that's just how it works so and has that mindset created a little bit more freedom for you when it comes to creating just taking that um those expectations off of you and just being like I mean, I hate to say it, but kind of a fuck it attitude and just being like, I like this. It sounds good. So yeah. that's got to create some freedom for you with the ideas that may come flowing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's made me come back to like enjoying writing music and doing what I'm doing. I've been doing it for so long now and like trying to keep up with these TikTokers and trying to keep up with what's hot, what's good, what's radio friendly, what's you know, it just, it's exhausting. And, and one of the quotes from when I was in college, one of my professors was like, no one will ever know new creative stuff. No one will know new art unless you give it to them. So instead of me sitting here trying to write for radio, Mm -hmm. why don't I something new? And maybe that starts a whole new era of music. And uh, yeah, it's making me just enjoy it more. You know, I still have side jobs. I still serve tables and I still create at the same time. And it's just like, I'm tired of being sad because I have to serve tables while writing music. Like, no, I I have to make money and pay my bills. So why don't I put music out and be happy about it? And that's what I'm going to do. Like, and hopefully one day it sticks. If not, I'll still continue to write music and figure it out, you know? Mm -hmm. So do you have these, because I mean, I feel like with anyone that's in the music industry, like the business is so hard just in general is it, is exhausting. It's draining. Like, do you have those moments where you need to check yourself because in order to be in it, you have to love it. And if you don't have those regular like check-ins with yourself, it definitely, and I'm definitely speaking from personal experience, like 
I have to check myself on the regular because, you know, sometimes it's really shitty. And so for someone that has to be so vulnerable and present, especially with songwriting, like how do you check yourself when you start to feel kind of the business side taking over rather than the creative side? I I think it, it just turns into like, what, why did you come to Nashville? And like, why did you, why did you decide to do this as a whole? Like I went to school, I got, you know, a slight business degree, if one will say that's what it is, but (laughs) no, but why did I not go that path? Why did you decide to come and be a creative? Like we all make that decision to do the things we do. So you have to, I just go back to remembering why, because I don't want to be doing a, and no, hate to it, but I'm not meant to be a nine to five or sitting at a desk and doing that job. That's not for me. Um, and I love telling stories. That's, you know, songwriting aside, I like to tell stories and I want there to be an outlet for people to hear that. So I have to like remind myself I'm doing this, that even if I put this song out and it only reaches 10 people, great, because those 10 people needed to hear it and remind myself that's why I'm doing it. And as hard as it gets, I mean, there are days when I'm like, how the hell am I going to pay rent? I have to go to the studio tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Out, like you're here for a reason. And you got to keep pushing. And I, I, I just, I'm not going back to a nine to five. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I mean, that's definitely the motivating factor. Cause I mean, nine to fives, I mean, I have one and I can attest where it's like, yeah, there, there are days where you're like, I just, I cannot be in this box anymore of this nine to five. It's, and it's not like, it, it's like I said, it's just sometimes it's not for certain people and it's not mm-hmm. for me. And of writing music like I get I've had the question of like where do you like to be the studio do you like to be on stage do you like to write like where do you like to be the most I personally love to be on stage like that's where I thrive so all the writing and the studio time and the releasing they get so stressed mm-hmm. I walk on stage and perform I'm like that's it there it is that's why I'm doing this I love to be on stage that's the, you feel this whole uh, I don't even know what it, this whole sensation of being on stage. So sometimes that's also like a good reminder of like, sometimes, yeah. you know, walk right on that stage. It'll pop you right back into why you're here. So. So is there one particular venue or a handful of venues that you can play just over and over again that are like your favorites? Oh, I feel like I've had like my highlight shows, but I've never got to like redo them. But, um, I love huge crowds. Obviously, those are amazing. Anyone that performs those. But uh, the the intimate ones are my favorite where I get to talk about the songs, too. So um, I played, like, a little tiny Blue Moon stage at the CCMF in Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. That was probably because I got to sit down. It was a big crowd and talk about my songs and things like that. But then there's things like in Nashville, like, I'm sure you've been uh, Whiskey Jam. Yeah. Oh. There's nothing like it because one, you're in a room full of everybody that's in the industry. You know, that's like the meeting place. It's where everybody talks, everybody networks and things. Um, But also, sure, there's people who are not paying attention. But sometimes when you're playing Whiskey Jam, they're like fully engaged and watching you because they're either judging you or they're really in. in (laughs) But, you know, um, Whiskey Jam is always amazing. So that was that was a good show. But. Anything where I get to talk about the music, that's where I thrive. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, have you done song suffragettes yet? I haven't. They're oh probably God. they're probably sick of my emails. No, I'm like <laughs> putting out the energy now because as soon as we start talking, I'm like, 
wait, have you done that yet? Because, because I'm assuming you've been to one. Oh my God. I've really been emailing them for like five years and they're really sweet. I, I, uh, yeah, they're great, but I email them all the time. I'm just like, Hey, just want to remind you, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Cause like, um, and for individuals that may be listening, like, uh, it's like a, it's like a singer songwriter round and they go around. I think there's normally, um, five or six, um, women on stage. They all go around twice or three times singing their own songs. You get to tell the stories behind your song. And it's just so refreshing to see number one, like a, a, um, an event like that, but just to also be like city it's city winery, right? That's the venue that it's at. Listening room, but there's very similar to that, uh, the city. Yeah. And it's just, I feel like there aren't enough. Um, and also I'm in Charleston and I can honestly say there's nothing like that in Charleston and it is so frustrating, but just to have something like the song suffragettes where you have the stage, but the audience is so engaged and they want to hear the stories. And I'm like, like I've only been once, but I just am so like bright eyed, just like looking around me like, this is amazing. Like yeah. I want to be here all the time because everyone is so invested and it's like okay. the people on the stage, the people in the audience, like everyone is so invested in everything that's happening. Yeah. The listening room is probably one of my, I've only got invited on stage. I've never actually gotten to play. Um, but that's on my like bucket list. I love, love that. And, and like the song suffragettes is, is only female artists, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And, uh, yeah, they're great. That's yeah. So if, if any of the song suffragettes are listening, let me play <laughs> let me out the, good, the good juju now, put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that we've kind of touched on a lot of different topics. We've been a little bit all over the place, which is great, but I think it always kind of comes back to, and then I know this is such a kind of a hard question, but I always like to ask people like, how would they define their relationship with music? And like throughout our conversation, it's very like up and down, love, hate, you know, like there's a lot of feelings happening. So like, are you able to define your relationship with music? I with I know exactly how to answer this question. You know, like when you're at dinner and the server comes by and you think it's your food, and you move everything out of the way, and then they walk past you and you're like, whoa. <laughs> Not my That's my relationship with music. It keeps me, it like teases me so far. I mean, I'm I will hopefully one day feel fulfilled within music, but like it just keeps me dangling a little bit. Like, you know, like that roller coaster, it, it's mm. yes doing great okay stagnant uh, and then you go back up and that's kind of how it is for me I, I will always be attached to music and always do something with it I'm not you know whether in a few years it'd be something completely different than songwriting but um yeah it's it's a little shit sometimes mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yeah. but it, there because it, there's that that beauty of what's going to happen at the end you know and mm-hmm. what what am I going to do what is what is my calling in life with music and that's like the food eventually when it comes it's going to be amazing but until then it's just like waiting and working hard and you know I love it but sometimes I want to clap it <laughs> yeah I I love that analogy so much because it makes complete sense and I've every person that I've ever asked that question to has never 
explained it in such a amazingly beautiful visual. And also too, I completely understand the feeling too, where I'm like, yes, I too am just like, oh, that's totally my hamburger. And I'm so excited. I'm so hungry. And then it's like, oh, okay, no, that wasn't for me. (laughs) No, that's not, not ready yet. You're not, that's not for you. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. but it better be a juicy ass burger when it comes. Okay. (laughs) So since you have, cause you, you're born and raised in Charleston and Mm -hmm. you have been in Nashville for six years. Like I know we've stated before, but for anyone, um, and I, I consider Charleston a small town and yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, you may agree with me on that. What would be your advice for someone that's coming from a small town and moving to Nashville? And maybe it's advice that only an insider would know. Cause I know a lot of people will just say, well, it's all about networking. You need to go to every networking event. And it's like, you know, I I don't know. I think there, there has to be more to that, like more of an insider advice. If you can give us any. I, yes, obviously networking is part of the job. Um, when I moved to Nashville, I did it so much. It was exhausting and I became sad. I became, um, very depressed because these networking events are hard. People don't really care, especially if you're not like, if you're not doing something crazy in the industry, they don't really care about what you're doing. Um, sure. There's really good people. So my advice to that is find that core group. Um, if you found it in your hometown and you have your best friends, you will find it in the new city that you go to, whether it be Nashville, LA, New York, wherever you're going, find the people that support you. I always think about that quote. That's like, find the people who will talk good about you when you're not around, not just yeah. the people about you when you're there. Um, I have my friends that we support each other as far as like, if I can't make it to a writer's round, I'm going to call them and we're going to hype each other up. We're going to share each other's music. Like you need that core group and there's no rush because it takes time, especially if you're older and moving to a new city um, yeah. there. And don't be afraid to say, if somebody gives you a bad vibe, Okay, bye. I don't care what they're doing. I think that's another thing in Nashville or in LA or wherever you are for music. They'll be like, oh, this is, I don't know, Steve. And he's won a Grammy and he's done this and this and this. If he's a bad person and he's not nice to you, I don't care what he's done. Get rid of him. Because mm-hmm. take Sally Lou that maybe not might not be doing anything, but she's going to support you and share your music and talk you up to anybody else. Like, Just make sure you're keeping the people you want around around and don't be afraid to get rid of the people who are toxic and not good for you. Well, and that's advice just across the damn board for anyone in life, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, good Lord. Cause I mean, and, and to your point too, like, as you get older, like you start to notice that your circles get smaller, but like the friendships that you do have are way more meaningful and way more authentic. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's also, it's a sad part of growing up, but it's also to your point, it should, it could carry over into business. It should carry over into every facet of your life is yeah. these are the type of people you should keep around you. 100%. And it's funny. Cause um, now I'm going to use a really weird quote, but what was it? It was um, you are based on the company that you keep and like oh, yeah. who's around you. It truly does put, keep you in that place. So it's like, if you're always around people that are busting their ass, that have goals that are working hard and working hard the right way, 
then yeah. it's going to make you want to do this exact same thing. And I think, yeah, that's great advice just across the board for anybody. It'll work out for you. If you've got that group that works hard, I mean, it, it sounds silly, but like if one person makes it in your group, you're all going to make it because one, they're going to take you with you. And also you see how hard they work. You're going to work just as hard. So mm-hmm. it's a group of deserving people. So. So sadly, this is my last question. Um, and I always end it because I just think it's fun. And also too, I think it adds like another level of understanding who you are and your personality and all that kinds of, you know, deeper inner shit that we want to know about you is what is your entrance song? And it doesn't have to be for life. It could be like this week or today or whatever time frame you want to use. Yeah. My song right now that like hypes me up because like you've obviously, if you've listened to my music, I write a lot of sad music. I get pumped off of sad music. I do. Uh, I love it. I'm happy or sad. I'll listen to it. But um, I'm obsessed with Teddy Swims right now. Mm-hmm. That's a song called Love for a Minute that is sad, but the beat and the drop of everything in it, I'm in the car and I'm just, I mean, it's a sad song and I'm just, everyone <laughs> probably thinks I'm a psychopath, but that is my like anthem right now. Love for a Minute. And uh as one who just recently went through a broke up, breakup, that is like, that's my jam. So love it. And isn't it so interesting when you have a song that the, the beat, the music itself can make you feel like completely opposite of what the song is all about, like what the lyrics are. It is such a mind fuck and <laughs> in the best possible way. <laughs> oh favorite thing like I like if I'm writing a song I'll purposely try to write the opposite just because I I think there's there's so much beauty to that and like the Mm -hmm. creativeness behind you can get a producer who like kills it I love that I love 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 that yeah there's one song in particular do you listen to Yola at all I don't so Yola is um she has two albums her first album was like very much like the Americana side but her mm-hmm. recent album that came out in 2021 um, is almost like the 70s disco vibe. It's Ooh. amazing. You'll, you would totally dig her. Um, but she has this one song, and I'm, I'm trying not to butcher it. I'm trying to quickly look it up, too. But it's like Diamond Studded Shoes is the name of the single from, yeah, Diamond Studded Shoes. And the album is Stand For Myself. And it's this whole like seventies disco dance. And you're just like, Oh wow. I'm like really digging this. And then you're listening to the lyrics and it's about, you know, struggles with racism, struggles with poverty and things that are very heavy. And yeah. once I was jamming and then all of a sudden I started listening because I am, I hear the music first. I never hear words. It's like, I have to listen to a song like five times and then I will hear the lyrics. Oh Yeah. And I started listening to the lyrics and I'm like, oh my God, I'm really sad now. <laughs> I love that. That's what, that's what art's for though. It's supposed to make mm-hmm. you feel like, I love that. So definitely send that link to me. Cause I would love to check that out. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely text you the entire album. It's so good. So good. Um, okay. So Paige, how do people find you and support you and follow you and all the good stuff? Yeah. Uh, so everything, most of my handles are just Paige McKenzie music, Paige without an I, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Um, 
all of that. I think I have a Twitter account. I don't use it. So I'm not even going to try to plug that, but Paige McKenzie music, you can uh, Google that and that'll pop up for everything for sure. And so what is next on the, on the docket? If you can share anything, um, maybe some dates or what we can be on the lookout for coming out next. Yeah. So I just went to the studio, finished vocals for a song um, that I've already put out an acoustic version of. It's called His Guitar. Um, if we're going to talk personal song, that is a very personal song. Um, it's very much like I'm nervous about this one because it's a very niche. It's about something super specific. So um, but like I said, I'm just going to write songs that I like and put them out. And this is an example of that. I don't really care. Um, if it goes up or blows up or anything like that, but it is, it is one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Um, uh, so yeah, that'll be the next one to come out and then hopefully some more after that. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And now that you mentioned that, I'm like, cause you have it on TikTok right now. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The acoustic version. I'll also link that too for everyone so they can listen to that. That is definitely, I don't want to say heavy, but like when I started first, when I was first listening to it, I was like, oh, this is kind of a sexy song. And then I was like, oh, but wait. Oh. <laughs> oh wait what and <laughs> I wish everyone could just see my face when I listen to music sometimes I'm like wait where are we going with this <laughs> I'm excited so you know we'll just see how everyone reacts to it it's definitely I like those country songs or just songs in general it doesn't have to be country but like songs in general where you think that it's one thing and then it mm-hmm. completely turns around um, you know, like Dolly Parton does a really good job of that. I think, um, Carly Pierce has done a really good job of that. And that, I mean, who does not love Carly Pierce? Oh my God. Bless. Yes. But yeah, like that almost, that song in particular, when I was listening to it, it reminded me a lot of Carly Pierce, just like the songwriting and like the way that you're going on this journey. And then it starts to kind of veer off into another, in a very unexpected way. And yeah. It's yeah, we'll definitely link it. It's it's great. So can't wait to hear the the non-acoustic version. So um okay, so any parting words, anything left on the table or we're gonna uh, we peace out and go get some margaritas. Yeah, no. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I have to go enjoy some time with my family and I'm so grateful for being a part of this. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And Everyone, again, thank you so much, Paige McKenzie.